Ladies and gentlemen, what the heck, George? I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news movie rumors and those ever important movie rumblings and then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week stick around for the end of our show check out our weekly recommends and make sure you follow us on twitter check out the website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com make sure you download and give us five stars on the itunes brian this week's chosen movie of the week is this week we're going to be talking about George Clooney's The Monuments Men. Time to put a team together and do our best to protect buildings, bridges, and art before the Nazis destroy everything. So you want to go into a war zone with some architects and artists and tell our boys what they can and cannot blow up. That's right. Aren't we a little old for that? Yes. Finally. Finally. <laughs> this is one we talked about, I think, like a year ago, literally. So. Yeah. I remember when this came out, this was my, like, well, this will easily win Best Picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> and we all lived happily ever after. At the, the world's crappiest. Good night, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. At the world's yeah. worst film festival. <laughs> yeah. In a bizarro universe, this got good. You and, know what? Uh, the Lego movie blew up this weekend and our Lego movie podcast is out. So check that out. But since this movie does star two American treasures and yeah, a few could be it, potential yeah, American future. treasures. Definitely. Definitely. It was, it was, we had no option. We had literally no option, but to uh, talk monuments men also American this treasures, Mal- Bob Balaban and Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Just to make sure you guys know. Yeah, exactly. The ones, but so uh, we'll stop talking about that now, and uh, so stay tuned for that. For good, uh, right? For good? Yeah, <laughs> uh, hopefully after this podcast. Uh, so stay tuned for that uh, a little bit later. Movie news, yes. rumors, and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Guys, there's always lots of stuff to talk about. A lot of movie news, rumors, rumblings to go over. And this week is uh, chocked full of news. And Richard... I want you to kick things off tonight. Oh, no. Because there's a lot of TV news. Yeah. We haven't talked TV in a long time, so I think tonight might be the night uh, to go over uh, all the all the stuff that's been going on. It's been crazy, okay. the late night stuff in particular. Yeah. If you could fill us in on that, and uh, let's kick it off here. Sure. So we've got, uh, well, the Olympics are going on right now, so it's kind of a black uh, out period. Right. But uh, we've got Jimmy Fallon finishes run on the late night show uh, and is transitioning starting on Monday to the Tonight Show. And Seth Meyers, uh, as well, is transferring from Saturday Night Live to a weekend update over to the late night show to take over for Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Jimmy Fallon's last show. Did you guys watch the, uh, the last show, the last uh, late night? I did. I didn't, watch, I didn't watch the last late night. No, I didn't. I didn't watch either uh, the last late night or the last Leno. So. Yeah, I didn't watch the last Leno either because it was uh, – Leno. Uh, yeah, all that. <laughs> Got him. And, and – and I kind of felt like his last show was the last last show. Yeah. And I thought, you know, in fairness to, to uh, Leno, I thought his last show, the one he when he left it to take over for Kona, was really classy. And he showed like all the kids that had grown up with their parents on the staff and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, so I, just, I kind of didn't want to tarnish that memory. To me, that was his last show. The last three years didn't happen. And uh, that's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. I, I did catch a clip of... Of Jay, I think it was his final farewell speech or, or mm-hmm. something. I don't know if you guys caught that. <laughs> it was just that. That was point. exactly it, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty that accurate. Uh, but man, he he broke down, oh. and uh, you know, like you would probably expect somebody that's worked somewhere twenty two years to uh, to do. Yeah. Pretty emotional, I gotta admit. Uh, I didn't. I, I'm. I I really did uh, watch a lot of Jay Leno when I was in high school before yeah. I knew what funny was, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, you know, what, what can I say about Jay Leno other than I watched him? I mean, he, I, he wasn't, he wasn't like a comedic, um, role model for me at all, Yeah, but right. I, I certainly enjoyed, uh, oh, his interview about- skills and, uh, there were certain aspects of the show that I did enjoy. 
completely agree. It's, I, it's, I like the headlines, um, the headline segment, and I like jaywalking sometimes. He had some good some good stuff for there for a while. Great joke writer. I mean, you know, Jay is is um, probably not for our generation as much. But the the thing you have to admire about Jay is that he hosted that show for whatever twenty two years, and uh, he was completely unironic about it. I mean, he did it very earnestly. Yeah. Um, there's no irony to his comedy. It's just it kind of is what it is. He he maintains. You know, he leaves. Um, the legacy of being still a top three to f- maybe tops. St- I mean, you know, people that know stand up a lot of times refer to him as the best stand up comic of all time, um, the greatest stand up comic of all time. You know, and these are people like Jerry Seinfeld and people like that that we respect. Um, so he, he he certainly is is not without legacy, and uh, you know the whole Letterman Leno and Conan Leno things notwithstanding, uh, did a more than adequate job hosting that show. You know, we can say, hey, it's not for our taste, but the fact of the matter is. For 20 of the 22 years he hosted that show, he was number one in the ratings. And, uh, and there's something to be said for that. And, uh, and, yeah. and I think it was time uh, now. And, and Fallon is, is, is an exciting, fun choice. And I think everyone's really psyched about that. Um, and, uh, you know, let's do it. It's crazy that they fired him, though. You know, they, that he didn't walk out on his own terms. They basically told him that we're replacing you with Fallon and this – on this day, you know? Yeah. They bumped him up early. He did only saw, he did say, I remember and, and when he signed that last contract, when he came back and, and took back over for Conan, he did say that it would be his last contract. So he was planning on leaving this coming May. Uh, but they bumped it up about three or four months. So, um, it kind of, you know, he got a little quick cause, because they wanted to piggyback off these Olympics. Uh, little did right. they know that these would not be the Olympics to piggyback off of, and May probably would have been just as fine in terms of ratings. Uh, but uh, that's okay still. So, so, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for the uh, founder. I really am. I, 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 you know, gosh, I could not have been, and I, as someone who's always liked Jimmy Fallon and liked him on, on SNL, and I'm, you know, you guys know I have a taxi poster in my room. Uh, exactly. <laughs> But signed by is, Queen Latifah. Yeah, signed by Queen Latifah. But as someone who's always liked him, I, I, I could not have been more loud wrong. I did not think he would be a good right. um, tonight, uh, late night host. And, you know, through really clever means of, of ways I didn't even think. He, he totally turned that show on his head. It's a talking point every week. He's freaking Johnny Carson. He's Johnny Carson yeah. 2014. He's going to kill it. And uh, I couldn't be more confident in him now. And I couldn't have been less confident in him five years ago. And even though I, I was a fan of his five years ago. And so great job by him. And, and, and you know, Lauren Michaels, once again, is smarter than all of us. Yeah, I agree. Brian, what are your thoughts on this? No, I'm, I'm with you guys. Yeah, Richard summed it up quite well. I, I think Fallon, I'm a Conan guy. I've, I've always been a Conan guy. And I will, I'll continue to be a Conan guy. But I, but I acknowledge that um, Conan's show is, is not that great at this point and, and really hasn't been for, for a while. But I, but I love Conan. And so I just keep staying with it. Um, when I do watch Fallon, which is, I've started recording his show on Fridays cause there's no Conan. And, uh, I love the thank you notes bit that, uh, Fallon does. I think it's yeah. just genius. Uh, and just such simple comedy, but, uh, I, I don't think there's any question that he is by far the best, uh, the best late night host going right now. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's really not close. So well, I would say Kimmel, Kimmel's, Kim, I mean, I, Kimmel's the dark horse here, guys. You know, people yeah. love Kimmel. I think Fallon is. I think Fallon's show is better, and I don't know if that's style. I think is a little bit different, and I I, I prefer uh, Fallon's style to uh, to Kimmel's. And I think that his writing mm. staff is spectacular too. So that's that's a big part of it. I, one of the hallmarks of Conan's show when when it was at its uh, when it was at its peak was you you look now at all the people the really funny people that came through that show and I think that's kind of where we're going to get with Fallon's show I think you're going to start in five or ten years you're going to start seeing you know how you know three or four or five times a year he's going to be interviewing somebody and talk about how they were an intern at the show or something like Conan does now I was watching uh, I, I watched Conan's show today and it was probably from two or three days ago gosh i can't remember who he had on um was it krasinski i know krasinski was a krasinski has it's like mindy kaling um 
the whole cast of the office. There, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a huge group, and there, there was somebody that I didn't know about. And I, now I'm just completely blowing the story because I can't remember who it was. But somebody that you didn't expect, and you're like, oh crap, I didn't realize that uh, that, that person worked for Conan too. I think that's where we're at with Fallon. I think he's going to be. Um, I think he's just going to be pushing people out there because he is, to me, he's the. I don't know if you'd call it the cutting edge, but the leading edge of of that sort of yeah. comedy. I would um, put him and him and Kimmel actually pretty pretty on par with each other as hosts. Sure. Yeah. For me, the difference is you have the Lauren Michaels machine behind Bellin, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing is is honestly, and it sounds ridiculous, it's the roots. The Roots are 50% of that show. Yeah, that's true. I mean, totally that's, a, true. that's a dual bidding show. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, it's the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and the Roots. Um, and so the way they they use them is always genius and always fun. And I mean, on the last show, they had Buckwheat Zydeco on, and then they did the whole bit with the Muppets and Jimmy playing drums. And like, that's the most musical show on TV. It's more musical than Saturday Night Live. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, the uh, you know, I know, uh, I know. Questlove handles and Fallon handle pretty much by themselves the music booking on that show. They book the bands, those two themselves. So they have really cool kind of like uh, really hip music acts on there. Um, you know, that has become the show if you're a rock band or, a, you know, any sort of music act. That, uh, I just said music act because I'm 80 years old. If there's <laughs> any kind of music act, you know, that's, the sh- that's, the sh- that's the show you want to be on. That's like become like this weird like late night Dick Clark show. Right. And if you're really cool, you, you play with the roots. Right. Um, it's not last call with Carson Daly anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when, when did that torch get passed? Is that still on? I think that's still. <laughs> it on. is still on. It's still on. It's yeah. the cheapest show on NBC. It costs yeah. like a thousand dollars an episode to shoot. Yeah, they recorded on Handycam. Yeah. And, you know what? What's that thing Jalen Rose always says uh, about NBA players? You're like, whoa, Nazir Muhammad's still in the lead, and J- Jalen Rose goes, "Keep getting those checks." Yeah. That's how I feel about Carson Daly. It's like that. A you know what's funny about that show? That. That premiered my uh, my freshman year of college, and I watched it for the first like six or eight months, and it was really good because it yeah. was long. It was long form. All they did his first episode was a two night episode with Suge Knight, and all he yeah. did yeah. was just sit there and ask Suge Knight. It was a like, talk show for a while. Yeah, it was. It was a really different type of uh, yeah. It was a, it was a different type of talk show. It was very interesting, and then they you know they changed formats and went closer to a more traditional thing, and then it lost all its appeal, but. Yeah. Um, but it was it was very interesting there for a while. But it is funny that, you know, like Seth Meyers just just completely leapfrog Carson Daly like he's not even there, which is pretty much how we all feel. Right. But the Carson, da- Carson Daly's got that voice money. Yeah. Oh, totally. Who cares? Totally. He's fine. But anyway, speaking of a good transition there, the Seth Meyers, there's some news this week that Fred Armisen mm. is leading the uh, Seth Meyers band, which is well, how do you guys feel about that? That. To be honest, that blew my mind. It melted my brain. You know, this is security mainly for for Fred Armisen. Yeah. You know, that's probably – it gives him an opportunity to do a lot of sketches, you know, still, which he he is amazing. He is a sketch comedian. Yeah. So he's going to be doing sketches. But like I said, it's job security. I mean, this is going to be a decade-long show, if not more. So, you know, how long has Paul Schaefer been with David Letterman, you know, forever? Right. Right. I think it'll Come be on. one you know, of the same. I think he'll you know, probably still do Portlandia and all that stuff too. He is. So. He's going to still curate the band. He won't lead the band, but he'll he's going to go do Portlandia for two or three months a year, but he'll still um, remotely choose the songs and everything, but he won't be in-house. But you said Paul Schaefer, uh, Ken, go ahead. You know you want to. Come on. Do it. Ah. <laughs> That's my Paul Schaefer. When we, yeah. uh, Brian, when Ken and I were in high school, we used to go on um, uh, Hey, Paul. Bus trips, and we I would just be Dave, and he would be Paul for like nine straight hours <laughs> yeah. on bus trips. And he's just and stabbing no one, himself in the ear. No one thought it was funny except us, but we would just go <laughs> for like, it's the best I'd kind say, of company. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Subways. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. That's how you build friendships that last, kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's... If you're the only two laughing at your bit, you need to just stay friends forever. Just little advice to the kids out there. Something I want to say, I do about Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel's monologue is the best monologue there is Agreed. on Agreed. TV. Agreed. The, the first five, the first spot. ten minutes of Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. I never miss. Yeah. It's it never uh, it never lets me down. And he's he's doing the most I think um, different stuff as far as a monologue than any any late night guy. We'll see. We're gonna see how 
how Jimmy changes up his act, you know, to transition over to the Tonight Show. It'll I be interesting think he's to see. Do too much because, like, you know, Fallon's not necessarily a risky comedian, and so he's going to keep it pretty much the same. I think they see the uh, the flaw of Conan kind of lost himself when he tried to be Tonight Show Conan. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really conscious of. I really think, and 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 the fact that the Tonight Show is is moving to New York and in 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 effect moving to them uh, is a very good cog. I, I think they're going to do the same show. I think it's really going to be pretty much the same show. Um, but uh, it's going to. I think it will be a lot more synchronized. I, you know, I heard uh, Lisa De Marais, who's who writes for Deadline, who's the best TV columnist. I couldn't recommend her higher. Yeah. Uh, but she's on she's on the radio, and she was saying that you know. Now and I had thought about this with having Fallon, uh, Myers, and SNL all you know basically within one hallway. Um, all the booking for those shows will be done by the same people. Um, mm, those right. shows will all be wow. booked by the same people. So um, you know you saw it in the last couple of years. You know people that would host SNL would show up on Fallon the week before, but now you basically have a complete PR machine that you can basically send people through the car wash like they do on ESPN. Yeah. Um, and have them on, you know, Fallon Monday, Myers Wednesday, and a cameo on SNL on Saturday or something like that. Or, you know, Fallon, thir- probably more likely, Fallon Thursday, Myers Friday, cameo on SNL Saturday, and, and uh, go from there. And it's all done in-house. It's all, they can share, they're sharing staff on a lot of stuff. Um, it's going to be a really interesting uh, kind of experiment, experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for Seth Myers. And, yeah, me too. I mean, but Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon... I mean, he even got a lot of huge guests when he was on Late Night Show. No, like, you, like he had Justin Timberlake for an entire week leading up yeah. to his album release. Pearl Jam, well, same thing. Um, they they it, would never do that for Leno, you know? I didn't, no, no. And I didn't factor that in. I mean, the thing about Fallon that I didn't factor in is, it, you know, when this opened up five years ago, um, when it came to the point where it was going, my choice to pick over, take over for Conan O'Brien was actually Seth Meyers. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if he's quite ready yet, but he, you know, he. Mine was jokes. Andy Samberg, to be honest, because because yeah, Samberg filled in for Letterman one time. Yeah, I remember and killed that. it, and I was like, okay, this is obviously what's going to happen here. It and uh, would have been awesome. Myers and Myers, you know, he 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 kind of you know because that's a hosting a late night show is an administrative job too. You're kind of a boss, and it's like, well, Myers has experience doing that, being the head writer in SNL. He knows how to tell jokes. He knows how to look at the camera and tell jokes. He'd be great. And but you know he was a little young at the time. I thought this is the guy. You got the guy. And then when they picked Fallon, I was like, oh no, Fallon is a sketch comedian. What I didn't factor in was like everybody likes Jimmy Fallon. Nobody doesn't like. He's the nicest person on the planet, and that plays really well. And that plays really well to an audience. That plays really well with people wanting to come on your show. And the way they've those producers Higgins and those people have really put together the show where people want to be a part of it and they do they don't just come on and say you know oh so what did you do this summer well you know we went up to uh you know costa rica it's now they they come on and they do sketches and they do songs and bruce springsteen comes out and does a song with jimmy fallon dressed as young bruce springsteen and stuff like that that's just like this is the weird you know becomes this kind of almost sketch Will, will that ever get old though Will the will the will the like if Jimmy Fallon does like a silly song every night? Will that ever become like all right enough already? No, you I know? don't think it was because it's really, you know, like I said, the MVP of that show is the Roots. They figure out a way to make it. Inter- I mean, he did to end his show. He did this on a night like this with Buckwheat Zydeco and the Roots, yeah. and then he did the Wait with Jimmy with uh, the Muppets, yeah. And it was like totally organic. It didn't feel like a stretch or it's just like, that's what the show is. Yep. He's going to do a couple songs a week and it just lends, you know, Johnny Carson used to sit in on drums with people. Johnny Carson was really musical. He's a, was an exceptional jazz drummer. So, yeah. I mean, this is, I know uh, we'll like it. I'm just asking for the general I, public. Like I, I when they're people that are used to Leno, how are they, how are they going to respond to this? I well, think that'll be, that's the big question here. I think they're going to, where else are they going to go? I mean, yeah. they love, you know, the thing is, is it's going to be, the 62-year-old that's watched Leno for 20 years is going to say, man, this is really weird, but I really like this guy. He's a really nice kid, <laughs> and I'm sure. going to fall asleep to him every night, you know, for the most part, I think. I, I don't think they make – some of them may go to Letterman. Uh, I don't think they'll go to Kimmel, but honestly, Kimmel's the most – even though he hates Leno the most, is the most similar to Leno because he has the, yeah. long, he has the really long monologue. And he tells the jokes, the kind of traditional jokes. They're much meaner and funnier than Leno's, but 
I don't know. It's really interesting. But sorry, I don't mean to go on. This is just the thing. No, it's fine. We we, we probably about. won't talk late night for a while unless yeah. there's other late night news that comes up. But randomly, other TV but... news. Ken, I'll let you pick uh, this next story because it's okay. It's a big deal to all of us. Who? It's pilot season. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, buddy. Fox signed on to a certain pilot today that we need to discuss. Uh, this is Fox has um, actually put in a series order. This is not a. This is not ordering a pilot. This is a. Ooh. We are airing this as a series. Um, Will Forte. Yeah. Uh, future American Treasure. Will Forte. Yeah, absolutely. Is, Has anything been more certain ever than that? Right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, Will Forte is headed to Fox. Um, he's joining uh, Mindy and uh, Sandberg, and um, you know people who have made their comedic home over on the Fox Network. Uh, what's the show called, Richard? I, I Last Man I on the like Earth. The Last Man on Earth. Last Man on Earth. That's what it's called. Uh, I, I haven't heard about. Re- or I didn't read up on the premise or anything. So, Richard, you're going to need to fill us it's in. It's self-explanatory. It is what the title says. He's the Last Man on Earth. It's a comedic, basically a comedic I am legend. <laughs> and apparently, he will. He will <laughs> it's already my. It's, it's already my favorite show. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think he's, there will be a cast, though. I think he will run into other people. But it's basically about, I think, a small amount of people um, left on the planet. A sitcom. Yeah. So, the greatest show ever? or I've, Yeah. This, we're going to have to talk about this one when it, when it comes out, for sure, in our fall uh, pilots episode. It's directed is... by Phil Lord Chris Miller, the guys that just did Lego Movie, and they did uh, sure. 21 Up Street and all that good stuff. So, that's, that's quite anticipated. Uh, there's not much yes. to say about it now other than... I can't wait to see it, you know, for me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally on board. Looks like I'm, he's getting back into comedy. That's good. Yeah. You know, um, like we said, you know, the only goal of all this is another MacGruber. So <laughs> that's right. it's the only point. I mean, Gotta make why that money so we can get MacGruber. Exactly. That's his goal, too, to be honest, you know? <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> it's like that and another- helping the homeless. Yeah. He's, he's the greatest person in the world. <laughs> he is. He's like the sweetest guy of all time. He like, is. He, he is. has not a mean bone in his body. It's just, oh, <laughs> seriously, American treasure. Toner over there. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, I was clearing out my DVR this week. My my kid has been sick, so I've been working from home and just. And there's nothing new on the DVR because of the stinking Olympics, you know. And so I'm just clearing clearing things out, and I watched the uh, SNL sports special that they did like yeah. right before the super bowl and uh the mcgrubers <laughs> first of all the mcgrubers with charles barkley are fantastic just yeah. i had forgotten yeah. how strong just you know everything he says is <laughs> racially insensitive and uh it's hilarious but i had only seen this one time and i i guess i'd kind of forgotten about it the peyton manning episode oh yes where he does where, the dance. where he scolds the, dance. the kids well that's great too that but he Forte, like he's the he's a basketball coach, right? Yeah. And he walks into the locker room and gives them a halftime speech, and they're down by like eighty points or something. And he does a dance to this ridiculous, marching like band song. yeah, marching band song. And it's like a, I don't know, like a three three or four minute take <laughs> of him just going nuts, and the dance gets crazier and crazier. And the best part is, like every time it pans, like, we're gonna have to like post it on the website. Can't we'll yeah. have to find, it. but uh, every time it pans. Like he moves across the screen, and so you can see like three or four different people's face at a time, and then he moves slowly to the other side, and then you can see Hater is just dying. Hater cannot <laughs> keep it together; it kills me. I can't wait. I cannot oh, wait for this show. Easily yeah. my most anticipated of the fall, for sure. This I, this I do my most anticipated piece of anything. Like, am I more excited for this or Star Wars? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a good question. I can't think of anything I'm more excited for than this. Is there a movie in twenty? Did I break the news to you today, Richard? Did you yeah, have no you did. idea? I had no what idea. did you do when you found out? Um, did you just I, like do a, a fist pump to yourself? Yeah, I've been. I was sitting in the airport. I've seen a lot of flight delays, and uh, dude, the snowstorm hitting the southeast, and I was just like, you know what? I looked up at the sky and was like, thanks for having my back, God. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, it. Seriously. Um, but is there a movie, Brian Kent? Yeah. Is there a movie coming out in 2014 that you're more hyped for than this TV show? No. Uh, Guardians I of the Galaxy. No, yeah. That's, that's it for me. I have no idea what even what's even coming out at the end of the year. Oh, here's honestly. an answer. Nothing. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Just no, nothing in the first half of the year. Nothing that I mean that I can think of. Top, I mean, Amazing Spider-Man. 2, Maybe obviously. X-Men. Besides that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't know. Uh, Forte in a new comedy series is a pretty big deal around here. So. Comedic guy and legend. You got to think of it that way. Yeah, think I cannot imagine how awesome the show is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> if it's like, uh, if it's like a one camera style, like yeah. mockumentary style, I'm going to lose it. I'm, I cannot wait. <laughs> I, enough talking about this because I'm just going to keep saying I can't wait yeah. over and over again. Uh, but there's another pilot happening this fall that the casting news came out for. The long-anticipated um, spinoff to How I Met Your Mother. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's Greta Gerwig, right? Called How I Met Your Dad. And the fact that it's not called How I Met Your Father yes. offends me so much that I'll probably <laughs> never watch the show. Like, yeah, what, what, the like, what meeting were they in where they decided, no, it can't be How I Met Your Father. It just can't be that. Because there's no yeah. reason it can't be no that. No one relates to father anymore. Yeah. <sighs> that makes oh, it makes me so angry. But yeah, Greta Gerwig apparently, um, I guess leading the cast. Mm. I don't know if she's really random choice. Like, she's sort of the like, you know, Lena Dunham has gotten really big. Yeah, you know, with girls and and her yeah. other stuff. Tiny, what is it? Tiny furniture. That's what yeah, it's it was the movie that yeah she did before girls. Yeah, and Greta Gerwig sort of that same deal. That New York, you know, yeah, kind of female comedian that writes and directs her own stuff. She does a lot of stuff with Bombach too. Though. Yeah, Noah Bombach did. Yeah, like think Francis about Song. that. Like, what are you doing? Uh, I got a pretty busy year ahead of me. I'm doing a Noah Bombach movie and then uh, just a sitcom for CBS. Yeah. Uh, what? I mean, it's cool. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, it'll have its its day. I mean, it's a C- the the one thing it has going for it is it's a CBS show, right? Yeah. And stability. They'll it'll probably at least get a couple seasons because people just. CBS doesn't cancel shows because people watch them. Like they really want to cancel that Robin Williams show, but yeah, we'll keep know. watching it. So it's because it's going to be on the air for I mean, a year. Every, or two. There's they're not canceling anything. Like the no. only thing. The, what's funny is like the one show that wins all awards for them, which is the Good Li- Good Wife, which is apparently a very good show. I've never seen it, but I've I've only heard excellent things. Is like the closest thing to getting canceled on CBS. Yeah, yeah. Because people that, that watch CBS are allergic to uh, good content. Apparently, yeah. I was talking today about about CBS and how they they just acquired the Thursday night football contract yeah. and how they're gonna, Thursday night is their biggest night with uh, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> oh yeah, what are and, they, I didn't think about that. What are they going to do there? Move and how I met your mother and yeah and so yeah that's the that's the the, the thing is it going to be worth bumping Big Bang Theory which is the number one show on TV on broadcast television uh, for football. Yes. Uh, is it going to maintain an audience on a Monday night or something? Yes. So, yes. yes. It will. It will do, that just means they'll dominate two nights a week if they're not yeah. already dominating all those nights. I mean, yeah. So let's move Big Bang to uh, just put yeah. it in the How I Met Your Mother spot. Exactly. Or yeah. put uh, Two and a Half Men in the How I Met Your Mother spot. Or Two and a Half Men in the, uh, yeah, How I Met Your Mother spot and put Big Bang Theory in the Two and a Half Men spot. I hope Two and a Half Men doesn't come back. That's just me. It may not because it's hopefully super not. expensive. Yeah. Super expensive. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, that's. That's all the new movie news, rumors, rumblings we should talk about. Uh, mainly TV uh, news, rumors, rumblings. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. 
and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today. But guys, let's move on. And let's talk about the Monuments Men. If you destroy an entire generation of people's culture, it's as if they never existed. We got company. That's what Hitler wants. And it's the one thing we can't allow. So we get to shoot some Nazis? So, man, I don't even know where to start here. Uh, I guess I can start off by trying to justify uh, some of this, some of this film. Coming out of this movie, I was trying to, trying to really, really hard to think of what this movie reminded me of. And I knew it was something that I've been thinking about for a week up to, up uh, till the time I saw it. And I figured it out when I left. This movie is just a worse version of The Men Who Stare at Goats. That's what it is. <laughs> do you remember that movie? Yep. I Yeah, I do remember that movie. I, I think that's book. one of For the... For some reason, that's... I read the book. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this movie, but The Men Who Stare at Goats is a terrible movie. Yeah. Like, a genuinely terrible movie. Like, that may be the, the biggest stain on George Clooney's career, even more so than Batman <laughs> and Robin. Like, that is a horrible movie. Uh, yeah. More than Leatherheads? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, leather, uh, I, hate, I hate Leatherheads. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't think that's... I've ever been more bored in a movie than Leatherheads. Like, it wasn't even like... <laughs> like, what was... Why did he make that... Okay, we'll get into that. What is <laughs> let's let's yeah, let's talk about George Clooney's directorial choices. But what I second. what I wanted to say, uh, I'm just going to give my initial thoughts here, real quick. Um, how the like premise of the men who stare at goats, psychic spies. Uh, when you have George Clooney and Kevin Spacey involved, there's no Jeff excuse. Bridges. Yeah, there's Jeff Bridges. Yeah, in the peak of his career, literally. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse for that not to work. You know, like figure it out, do something, <laughs> fix the script, do something to figure it out. This is, this is, there's, this is the exact same thing. A <laughs> World War II movie about the Monuments Men starring, I don't even know how many, um, yeah, you know, awards caliber actors are in this movie. Yeah. When, when American count. Treasure John Goodman is like the eighth listed yeah. person on the bill, then yeah. uh, you've got quite a cast. So it, such a disappointment for me. Um, not offensively bad. There wasn't a performance that I was like, good God, what the heck, you know, but everyone, no, yeah. everything was just blah. Off. It was just it was off. It was just was off. off. Yeah. Just... I remember being, this was my most anticipated movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I like all the people involved. It's Bill Murray and George Clooney and Matt Damon in a movie together. I love World War II stuff. I love art history, even though I know nothing about it. And the I I'm not kidding. I knew I knew when I saw the first trailer. I was like, oh no, yeah, it's bad. Something about it totally is just weird, off putting. And then when they pushed it back out of award season after that, I was definitely certain. Like, oh, it just it just sucks. I just thought maybe it was a bad trailer, but it's it's really bad. Yeah, you know when they pushed it back, I had hoped to because we've seen, especially in the past year, we've seen that a movie can get delayed and get fixed. Into something decent, but they would have for delayed example, it to World like, War Z. Yeah, but they would have delayed it to like May. Yeah, right. To or push like, it out of award season is is quite, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious now why. If they right. push it back to May or like next September, or October, I would have been totally fine. But when they said February, I was like, but, oh. But like I said, there is no excuse for this to happen. You know, delay it a year. Okay, you know, like who cares? Just make it good. That's all I care about. Um, but I, I have specifics to go over later. I just want to get y'all's initial impressions first. So Brian Gill, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think that the uh, I think the performances are 
that range somewhere from above average to at times very good. And when you have a cast that's this uh, this big and this talented, I don't know that you could. Um, honestly, I don't. I don't think we could have gotten like really genuinely bad performances. I think um, I enjoyed the the chemistry between the like pairs of actors. I, we can right. go into that a little more later, but. Um, Look, you've got Bill Murray, you've got John Goodman, you've got uh, Matt Damon and Clooney and and uh, Bob Balaban, who is, I said in my review, I think is the like most criminally underrated comedic performer of his generation. I mean, he's just fantastic. Yes. And writer. Um, he's an excellent writer, too. Yes. Uh, he's, he's, I love that guy. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I liked, but everything that I liked about the movie was related to the general interest in the story, which I think it's a good story um, that needed to, needed to be told. Like it should make a good movie just, just from a narrative standpoint. Um, so the story's good. The performances are solid. The direction is a just it's total bad. abortion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> one of the worst, honestly, I, I really mean this one of the worst directorial jobs I have seen in a long time. I mean, at least as far as like, of a movie that should be good, you know. I'm not yeah. talking like Resident Evil Six or something like that, but which was um, really well directed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Corey said it was great. Um, should have been better though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really relying on the Mila, Mila Jovovich character too much. Yeah, you think with um, that sort of source material, you could? Yeah, look, guys, when you have Ali Larder, Larder, you uh, you got to use it. No, I, look, it. There are parts of this movie that I really liked. Um, there are just like these bright, shining moments that are strong, and uh, and then it just immediately kind of falls back into bad patterns. And I, I honestly, I put one hundred percent of the blame on on Clooney. I don't. We we talked about it a week or two ago. Just do we? Can we trust George Clooney as a director? And nope. no nope. strikes. Yeah, this is confirmation. Uh, yeah, no. This is and this is the worst one. Like, look, Leatherheads is a really bad movie. I'm with you guys. It's but it's just insanely boring. Like that's really what it is. It's I don't I mean I've only seen it the one time. It was 7 years ago or whatever. So uh maybe I'm not remembering it that well, but it just it was very boring and sometimes that happens. Uh what was the what was the one he did? What's the one but oh, uh Eyes of March. Eyes of March. Some people don't hate. I just I just don't think it came together the right way. Oh. But I I could sit through that movie again if I uh, if I uh, had to. Good night, uh, and good luck. Is good night, really- and good luck is great. Oh, absolutely! But everything since then—that's what we're. Everything since then has been terrible. This is the worst part. This is the worst thing for me because the parts are here, but the the way it's assembled is just completely wrong on on literally every single yeah. level. It felt like to me, guys. It felt like a puzzle. If you if I put like a hundred piece puzzle out on the table and somehow you jammed all the pieces together to make it fit, but the picture wasn't right, <laughs> yes. like that's what this that's what this came across as. Yeah. For me, you know, they build this as sort of like Ocean's Eleven in World War Two. Yeah. Yes, um, I would say this is more like Ocean's Thirteen in World War Two, um, yeah. or Twelve. Yeah, <laughs> or 12, Twelve is know. the worst yeah. one, I think. But. Uh, rewatch Thirteen. Thirteen's pretty. Thirteen's sneaky pretty also. bad, but Twelve they're, is they're offensively bad. bad. Yeah, well, Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts and. Julia Roberts is so terrible in Twelve. Yeah, she ruined and it she, for me. And she plays a Julia Roberts lookalike, which yeah. is the most that like, makes sense. Please stop. You know, <laughs> I won't say what I was going to say. I, wa- anyway, I rewatched those before I saw this, so that's why I have fresh opinions. First on Oceans it. is so incredible. Yeah, Such a, it is. It is. Cool. I like Thirteen. I have nothing wrong with Thirteen. Oh, I like them all, but I like more of some of them more than others. Yeah, for sure. It's but, yeah. Anyway. What are your initial thoughts on this, Richard? It was bad. Um, it is my initial thought. It was terribly directed. This, you know, I look. This, this was the first one that I thought was directed really poorly. Yeah. Um, of the Clooney movies, I didn't think yeah. Leatherheads or or uh, or Ides of March were really directed that badly. They were more than just more just kind of crappy scripts that totally I didn't really care about. Totally. Um, yeah. he, so for me, he definitely needs to just he definitely needs to stop writing because this is three terrible scripts in a row. Uh, he writes with Grant Asloff or whatever. Isn't, isn't that right? He wrote this as well, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know Haslov did, so yeah, yeah, he did. He definitely – and then uh, so that needs to stop. Um, directing, I'm willing to give him like another sh- – I, I want to see maybe – if he direct, if he told me tomorrow Clooney's directing a script by Aaron Sorkin, I wouldn't be totally like wigged out. I mean but that being said, this movie was terribly directed. But 
a lot of that, I'm going to lay at the hands of the script probably also being terrible. Um, you know, we were talking over the week, like, this is kind of like the highbrow, like, if Adam Sandler is Old Davy, this is like the <laughs> Banana Republic of grown-ups. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like an excuse to hang out with your friends. Um, I made the argument that at least Adam Sandler doesn't involve World War II um, <laughs> because he has a little thing I like to call dignity. Um, but it's uh, it's really bad. Um, like, you know who's bad? The all the performances were fine. Kate Blanchett was weird. I didn't like her. She was t- she was bad, honestly. Bad. Yeah, I'm with like, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who cared about that character? Damon yeah. was wouldn't. I mean, this was just. D- Damon what? was in the front of the poster. Bob Balaban was more important to this movie. Than oh, he was. absolutely. Oh, Ten no, times no more. question. No question. You know, it felt to me. I said this coming out of the theater with the guys that I I went to see it with. Um, there's like heroin support group. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 very few scenes in this movie where the entire cast is together, and and because of that, and because of how unimportant like Damon's character is to the story, and uh, some of the other just kind of ah, what's going on here, it really felt like, hey, uh, Damon, I need you to be in this movie. Can you squeeze it into your schedule? Yeah, you know, for well, like. Woody four- even said that uh, Damon was flying in and out when he. Yeah, and if he pulled some like prank that. on him, or he kept making that, his like that happens. Right, that happens. We, you know, we all know that's how movies get made, and that's fine. But you, you, sh- the movie shouldn't feel that way. You know, you yeah. shouldn't. Uh, we talked last week. Philip Seymour Hoffman was in Almost Famous for like three scenes. He, they filmed for three days, seven yep. days, something like that. I mean, he yeah. was on set for no time at all. He's integral to that film, and and makes it. I mean, you don't. You never felt like man. But Philip Seymour Hoffman was only on set for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, this, it really felt like. Uh, John Goodman can only be here from like mid September through early October. That's the same time that uh, Dujardin <laughs> yeah. can be here. So we'll just yep. pair them together and send them off. Like, uh, I mean, Murray and ba- Balaban want to work together, but only in November. So that's we'll just pair them. It's just it's a movie that was written by an Expedia account and an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. and they just they just like that's how they wrote the script as they yeah. came up with this weird Excel spreadsheet of dates and right. wrote around that. No, you're totally right. I want to touch a little bit more specifically on the the, the awful direction. There's not a scene in this movie that lasts more than five minutes. <laughs> there can't be. Yeah. It, it's just scene after scene after scene after scene that don't seem to flow into each mm-hmm. other very well very, at all. Very choppy, and especially every, in the first hour. Yeah. Right, and every – Every other scene, more than every other scene, is has a has a location card on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in a, every other scene takes place in a different location. It's just impossible for me, the viewer, to geographically know where they are. Okay, are they going back and forth? What you know? Mm-hmm. I was just so confused as to the locations um, of this, and I, I'm sure that was an issue when they delayed it, but. And they're like, man, we need to throw more location cards out. But that's just – that didn't help me, you know? Like they could have told me that they were in the same place they were in the scene before and I would have believed them. And, you know, oh, it just frustrated me. I was like, when are they going to stop moving around? It was till the last scene of the movie they were, mm-hmm. they were still showing us new locations. Yeah. And that was, that was so offensive, George. What as, – as a film major and an art minor – <laughs> um, this <laughs> just offended me big time. Didn't really pay respect to the art much at all. I thought we would see more of the art and feel more of the significance of the art. Mm. Other than I'm not Catholic, so the Gin altarpiece isn't really uh, some of my top stuff. Yeah, we saw a Rembrandt piece, which I, if I'm not mistaken, is the same one in American Hustle. So yeah. real original, George, to use that that Rembrandt. I mean, it's probably historically accurate, but, um, you know, like the whole thing with the trailer and I agree with you, Richard, the trailer was like, had George Clooney doing this like narration, like we must protect the very foundation for which our forefather, you know, type thing. And I was like, when I watched the trailer, I was like, if that's the most profound thing that is said in this movie, mm -hmm. then we got problems. And I feel like 
that was said at least four times, four or five times in some form or fashion. That thing, you know, why are you doing this? Well, we need to protect. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. oh, the yeah. goal of the mission like was refrain. stated five times. Like, we know what you're doing. Okay, we know you're taking. Uh, these... Well, the movie is supposedly kind of like a meditation on why art is important to life and to. But it doesn't. Just... No, I know, but it, it fails make... miserably. Yeah, yeah it, completely. If uh, you know, I, I like to think that if this movie existed in, in occupied France, that Hitler would have burned the the frame, <laughs> and he'd be a hero for doing so. And you can quote me on that. Put it on the poster. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a movie about art that's completely devoid of any kind of art. Um, it's it disrespects art. Yeah, <laughs> this it is. movie it's disrespects really... film and art. <laughs> it's a cynical. It's a cynical movie in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, well February, and you got to feel bad for the people that were actually involved and that actually like sacrificed their li- lives for this real mission. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. The the story certainly deserved. It deserves a better, better. Yeah. movie. Yeah. There's no there was no suspense in this film. No. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's not quite this bad, but it's similar to like the uh, Tuskegee Airmen that. <laughs> Red tails. Yeah, they have red tails for yeah. their. You know, hey, you guys are some of the bravest people in the history of the world. Here's <laughs> your movie. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's bad. Um, I don't think it's quite to that bad because at least like somebody got portrayed by Bill Murray. You know, so yeah. there's uh there's that. But uh, dude, uh, the, the uh, it you're right. It's so ch- that first hour is like. 10 second scene, 10 second scene, 10 second yeah. scene, and it's jumping all over the place. And you have a lot of like. John Goodman walking into a room for no reason and then carrying a radio out like three seconds later really was just like, a, oh, by the way, reminder, John Goodman's in this movie. I don't want you guys to forget. Um, really bad. The like the emotional pulls are are really bad, really bad. Very, like, the, the only one that got bad. me was, and it's all because of Bill Murray was the uh, like the Christmas scene where you know i don't think it's a spoiler say like when he's in the shower and yeah balaban plays his uh you know the the recording he got from home like that's a really genuine strong moment but it's it's all because of the way murray portrayed it i don't think it really had anything to do with the uh with the direction they keep clinty kept trying to build like this emotional resonance with with uh the madonna <laughs> and got, it doesn't i got like, it <laughs> No mentioned something like, about that. I yeah. don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Partly because you built that whole plot point around Hugh Bonneville, who's like the least recognizable person in this yeah. whole cast. I don't. I mean, I really couldn't think of. I, I don't know. It was a really messy, bad job from a direction standpoint, and to your point, Richard, from a screenwriting standpoint as well. Like, ugh, man, terrible just, script. Just act, dude. Like, this is. This is bad. You were mm. Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton's like the best movie the last ten years. Yeah, and you're gonna do this? Just act. The um, spoilers coming up right now. If you're not already spoiled, uh, the last scene and Brian, this touches oh. on your emotional mm. thing. <laughs> so, mm. the, like the last scene comes, and and so it turns <laughs> out the whole time George Clooney's character was just giving a speech to some people, telling them what happened. Uh, mm. Terribly tied together from the front in the end. Mess. Total mess. It was yeah. total mess. So when we finally get back to to Clooney um, telling his story, someone in the audience is like, you sacrificed all that for some art? Yeah. Was it worth it? And then they cut to <laughs> Clooney's dad, who is clearly trying to play old George Clooney, uh, staring at the Madonna. And he's got his like grandson with him or something, and his grandson's yeah. like, Grandpa, can we go now? <laughs> clearly doesn't give a crap about the art. <laughs> like, can we get out of here? Well, you and it cuts to old George Clooney, and it, you know the, the question is, will it matter in thirty years? And it cuts to old George Clooney, and he just goes, "Yes." Like, I mean, and that's the end. That's supposed to be like their Saving Private Ryan moment, you know, because that's yeah. that's the beginning and end of Saving Private Ryan. But it's like the most emotional, kick you in the gut uh, scene in the, you know, in this really emotionally relevant impactful movie i mean he's going for the same thing and the line is just yes i mean just really really bad can we talk about the score for a second i didn't there was a score i didn't notice it you mean produced by the hallmark foundation guys i don't know that 
Mm, in a in a supposed to be good movie, good gracious! I mean, <laughs> awful score, dude. Just awful. It. I thought this movie had issues with tone the entire time, like finding the right tone and the score. Like every time you felt like, oh, okay, this is about to get serious, then you get like the. <laughs> Like, almost like the Larry David stuff. I mean, it's just like to that level of like, I don't really understand what's happening here. That score is appalling. There's Nazis everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even notice the score. It was that bad. And I always notice the score. I don't know how you... Yeah, you, you know what? I think you must have been like a, like some sort of defense mechanism out. kit. Because you pay attention to score more than anybody I else. I know. If you go back and watch this, I think your body was like trying to keep you from killing yourself. No, I was just I was just trying to figure out the directing, the cinematography, the acting, Mm -hmm. the script, every aspect. And I I want you to rewatch this and just listen, just pay attention to the score and tell us how long you make it through the movie. I will. And I'll touch Richard. We'll be ready to go over and like do some sort of intervention to keep him from jumping off a ledge because he will not be able to handle it. That sounds exciting. I want to touch on the cinematography real quick, though, uh, or lack thereof. Uh, Incredibly, like, I I just really got the sense that these were sets that these people were on. You know, it was way too bright for a World War II epic. Like, they could have put, like, an Instagram filter on this entire movie, and it would have made it better. Yeah. You know, costumes too were crappy. The costumes didn't look good either. Yeah. No, they didn't. What the, the whole heck, thing guys? felt fake. It felt like – you know when like George Clooney's in a movie and he plays a movie star? Let's say he's he does a uh, sexual reversal of um, – what's the movie with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts where she plays the uh, – Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Yeah. So they do a, a male Notting Hill and he plays a movie star. Yeah. And they cut to a clip of George Clooney in a World War II movie. That's <laughs> right. what this looked like. Yes, yes. Like – by the way, I would watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make it happen, Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. But, um, and they cut to him. And this was like – it looked like a movie in a movie. Yeah, totally. I agree. It is it is it just that the whole thing was just lazy? Is that really – I mean are we at that point where we I just have to I don't think so because like he hasn't done anything in a couple of years and like everyone was super psyched to do it. And everyone was super – you know, the the studio gave them like – you know, December release date. I was when I saw they were making this a year and a half ago. I was like, "Oh yeah!" Legitimately counting the days, like this is going to be the greatest movie. Bill yeah, Murray, George Clooney, World War Two, saving art, killing Nazis. Matt Damon, John DeJardin. I mean, I love John the Goodman. artist. Yeah, John Goodman. Uh, and uh, and then it was it was awful. It was so bad. It was Here's a question, February, guys. It was a February dumb movie. This is a movie you could have made with, like, you know, Bruce Willis and. Uh, yes. Here's you know. the question: Would this movie be better or worse if it was a Happy Madison production? No, I mean, with the Happy Madison crew and with Kevin James in the role of uh, John Goodman's character. Like, I was just thinking that the whole time. I was like, if this was Kevin James. It wouldn't be any worse than it is right now. <laughs> it's just like even when if, it, if it's when it's John Goodman and, and all these great actors, it's just held up to such a high standard that Absolutely. it just can't. It just didn't live up to it, and that's the main thing here. It just didn't live up to our anyone's expectations. Hopefully, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Man, I really like that movie," these guys are tearing it apart. Um, then go watch a glorious bastard. Go watch one of their yeah. Mm-hmm. Go want yeah. go watch a a movie that. Tries to accomplish this and actually accomplishes. Shoot, it. go watch Valkyrie. Yeah, I mean yeah. Valkyrie's better than this movie. Ugh. Yeah, I I don't want to see this anymore. Like again, I don't think I will. I'll probably see it on like I'm sure it'll be on like FX in like three years. But yeah, no, yeah. I don't. This is FX on Veterans Day. This yes. is totally the movie that's gonna play. Yeah, but totally. not on FXX. Okay. Yeah, because they're a little more extreme. Okay, right. bro. Yeah. But yeah, man, it just. It wasn't very. It wasn't funny. I mean, it could have been funny when you've there was there were comedic situations. I, I didn't understand the cigarette scene. Did uh, you understand that? That went absolutely nowhere. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like on. I will say I thought that was 
one of the only scenes in the whole movie that was framed correctly, at least. Like, sure. From yeah, a cinematography I mean. standpoint. When it started Andy, out, I was like, this could be something. And then it right. just ended. And I was yeah. like, wow, that was pretty pointless. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, it was a good situation, you know, and a standoff and everything. And uh, all for nothing. So thanks, George. But guys, grade for the Monuments Men. Brian. <laughs> I'm going to – in my review, I gave it a B minus. And what? Then I immediately regretted that. You gave MacGruber <sighs> a B minus. No, MacGruber is an A plus no, all the way. You gave um, MacGruber a B minus. I will go to your blog and uh, – <laughs> um, I'm going to go – I really think the performances are decent enough to make it watchable. Like, oh, I don't watchable, think I, yeah. I don't think I hated it as much as you guys did. I just – I hate – how poor the direction is. Um, I'm going to go with the C plus. I'm going to go with the straight C Richard. Okay. Brian. Yeah. I don't remember what the movie was, but we were watching something over award season. You're like, when you have this level of talent in it, yeah. you don't have an excuse. What was yeah. that? Movie? I, I don't remember. Um, it was last year. Was, it was something that was bad pretty recently in the last few months. It late, you know, counselor, counselor okay right? yeah i hated the counselor though like i i enjoyed parts of this movie again all only because of the cast because of how much i like the cast and because of i think murray and balaban especially did a good job with what they had to work with i think they make it watchable and that's okay. i i can't i can't say that i want to watch it again i certainly can't recommend this movie to anybody um, but I think that the, I think the difference between it, like this and the counselor is like <laughs> the, I mean, there's not even there. Like I like Fassbender. I like Pitt. I like Bardem, um, all these guys, but I didn't think they did anything to make it an, an even sort of passably enjoyable. Like I really liked watching Balaban and Murray just because I felt like they, well, I mean, I just love those guys. That's that's part of it. But um, so, look, I, I I will I will admit that it's a bad movie. I I think if it's watchable, I, I, I can't go any lower than a C plus or a C on something that I didn't hate my life and I didn't I wasn't like sighing or checking my my phone the entire time or or, or something to that nature. Right. No, I I agree. It is watchable, and that's the best I can say about it. Richard, what's your grade? D plus. D yeah. plus. Wow. I think that's fair. I totally do. I do. I think if you hate this movie, I I think it's it's fair to to just completely I, hate. I movie. was checking my watch and okay. I was bored and I hated it. I really. I. I and, and your point about Balbana Murray is is fair, but the fact that the movie was so bad that mm-hmm. Balbana Murray couldn't save it means it's a right. really bad movie to me. I, I I can totally by your same logic. That's yeah. Right. No, no, totally. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, hopefully that was fun. It's fun to disagree on our grades. We should fake yeah. that more often. We, <laughs> we should uh, skip Bayless. But man, guys, this was on my short list for the oh, best yeah. picture last year. I mean, there's yeah. this yeah, is such a disappointment. You know, someone like <laughs> the counselor was on that list too. Look, so there 2014 you go. is not looking so great right now. So uh, you know, it could happen. It's not at all. All right, guys, let's move on and let's do weekly recommends real quick. Weekly recommends. All right, guys, I'm going to recommend a television show this week. Uh, It just premiered a couple of weeks ago, I believe, um, in January on Sci-Fi. It's called Helix. Uh, It's a horror sci-fi show. The best way I can describe it is if you mixed Contagion with The Thing uh, and Prometheus together. Wow. So the, the show is basically... People are dispatched to like a an Arctic location to combat a virus that they don't know its origins or anything like that. That's basically the premise, and it's pretty uh, pretty intense show, really well shot, and uh, you know it's not often that good sci-fi comes out. It's getting really really good reviews, ratings, etc. So probably on for a while. So you've got time. Check out the pilot uh, on Sci-Fi's website. I'm sure it's up there. 
And uh, I think it's about they're about six episodes into this season. Uh, so I recommend Helix if you're into horror sci-fi television. So that's my recommend. Sweet. I'm gonna check that out. How is the uh, how are the special effects? Uh, really good. Okay, because that's that usually better than complete. better than I've seen on especially Sci-Fi Channel. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's not noticeably bad or anything. It, it won't. It's not a concern for me at Sweet. all. So I like out. anything that's set in the Arctic because it creeps. It's me really, out. it's really cool. It's really like clean looking, and they're on, they're yeah. kind of on. It's like they've got a crew, you know, on this yeah. kind of ship thing they're on. It's really, really interesting premise. So I'm, yeah, gonna, definitely, I'm definitely check, gonna check it out. It out. I, yeah. I had, uh, no. I, yeah, uh, I saw something about this, you know, a few months ago and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And, uh, I've forgotten about it. So I'm, I'm definitely, gonna you'll like it, Brian. Thanks. You definitely I'm will. Excited. Okay. Excited. What's your recommend, Brian? I'm going to give you a, like a pair of other podcasts that I listened to this week that I found very interesting. They're both actually from the Grantland network and I'm, I've recommended Grantland podcast before, um, Bill Simmons had William Goldman on who, uh, wrote, uh, Oh shoot! Uh, all the pre- no, uh, Princess Bride and uh, what's the other? What's the big one? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, a couple of misery? others. Yeah, he wrote Misery looks like I'm trying to look at his uh, uh, Dreamcatcher. I mean, all the great <laughs> What's he's done the, a lot uh, of Stephen King adaptations. What's the all the President's Men? I was Maverick. right. So, um, Chaplin. Rob Downey he's Jr. got quite the uh, quite the resume. Um, anyway. Very good uh, writer, won a couple of Oscars. Um, Simmons has been kind of friends with him for a long time. Um, he had he basically had him on to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they they talked about some other things as well. But it was very interesting to hear him. He's a New York guy, so he talked more about uh, Hoffman's theater stuff, uh, which was cool to hear. Um, and then they kind of went off on a tangent into his career and just kind of got some interesting stories from the you know 60s and 70s in hollywood which was which is very cool so uh look that one up it was, it's like less than an hour long very interesting uh listen and the other one uh is the andy greenwald podcast uh andy's their tv guy um who i, I really like i respect his his writing quite a bit and uh he's always got very interesting opinions on stuff he had uh famous tv chef emerald lagasse on on his uh what? podcast yeah and, uh, Did he just Emerald. say "bam" fifty times in a row? That I was love Emerald. I love Emerald. So do I. And, yeah, so do I. Uh, he's the <laughs> he's such a genuinely nice person. Did like, he have a sitcom? He did yeah, for like a did. week, <laughs> and he touches on that. And he's very like you know realistic about. Look, it was terrible. Like I I admit, like this is a mistake. You know, um, Emerald is on Top Chef right yep. now. He's been for the last like two or three years. And one of these days, that's going to be a, a weekly recommend. Um, for oh, me, because yeah. I, I love Top Chef. But uh, anyway, Emerald's on. He talks for 30 minutes just about his career and about uh, Top Chef and about cooking and, and all that sort of stuff. He really, he genuinely actually might be the nicest famous person in the world. Like, he's just a really sweet, cool guy. Um, and you could, you really could feel that coming through on, he just took the time to answer the questions very thoughtfully. And you don't always get that with a guy, especially when he's, Clearly doing like a tour, you know what I mean, where he's going to be on ten or twelve or fifteen different podcasts and radio and chefs shows. Chefs are chefs are notoriously douchebags. Yeah, totally, totally. And so, Emerald is just a really cool guy. So uh, that's very accepted, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, those are uh, those are two good shows I got to listen to this week, and uh, I think uh, our listeners would enjoy them. Great, I'll check them out. Definitely, I do like. I love Top Chef too, as well. I Dude, love Top Chef. Shows. Might yeah. be the best Cooking reality show. Have you watched? Have you watched The Taste on oh, ABC? Yeah, yeah. I, I love watch that show too. Almost, almost any food show. Like I'll give it a shot, but yeah. none of them come close to Top Chef. Like, you guys like Chopped? I'm a big Chopped fan. I've watched Chopped a little bit. Yeah, Chopped. I like. Do you like Cutthroat Kitchen? Have you seen Cutthroat Kitchen? I can't, is that? Is, it's that pretty have new. It's pretty Ramsey? new. Yeah, no, it's got uh, Alton Brown, okay. and uh, it's basically. So you start off with four chefs. It's a lot like Chopped, right? You narrow them down one by one by one. You all cook a different uh, part of a dish and then the, the judges vote on it. But also like throughout the cooking, Alton Brown brings out like these items and you each have like auction money to bid on them. And it's like let's say you're making um, – I'm trying to think of something. Well, let's say you're, you're making like some chopped beef dish. Mm-hmm. Alton Brown brings out like uh, – 
toothpick, uh, to, uh, pair of toenail clippers. And he's like, you bid on this, you get to choose an opponent, and they have to chop, they have to get rid of all their knives <laughs> and chop the beef with these toenail clippers. Oh, God. <laughs> and you can just, like, screw people, and it's so entertaining, and it's awesome. That sounds awesome. Is that your recommend? <laughs> no, it Richard? should be. You should watch Cutthroat. I will. You know what? I, I you, know will. what? you know what it is? Cutthroat Kitchen. <laughs> yes. Because I ha- only had Love one. It. I was trying to think what it would be. No, Cutthroat Kitchen, Food Network, go for it. It's greatness. Awesome. Great recommend, Richard. I'll check that out for sure. At what age do you start watching food? Dude, literally the taste is like the only like show that I've watched like every episode uh, for cooking, like a cooking competition. Yeah. I, it's Anthony Bourdain. I freaking yeah. love Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, so Anything he does, I will watch. He is There's got to be man. like half our listeners are just are like, <laughs> I only come here to hear McGruber talk. You're talking about freaking Top Chef? I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, but dude, look, I you'll will, understand in a few years, young. You I don't understand food. it either because you can't taste the food. It's, it's like so, man. You know, food food shows are like the thing. The reason everyone we all watch them is like a kid. I mean, I know maybe you do, but I don't. I don't know your situation right now. It's it's ever changing as as the bachelorhood goes. But like right. when you date somebody, like you want to watch sports and they want to watch like awful like Real Housewives, and it's like the thing you can agree upon. Like let's just watch food shows. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like it's just totally neutral. Yeah, HGTV is the same way. Like, I'll throw down seven ep- episodes in a row of House Hunters and like not even know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty into Treehouse Masters these days, guys. <laughs> Dude, that was that dope too. That's awesome. HGTV and Food Network are like, if I could just get cable with ESPN and those two channels, I'd be fine. Yeah, definitely. They know what they do, what they're doing because you're right. Yeah. You can watch them for for hours and not really even think about it and they cost nothing to me yeah, exactly. do you guys watch property brothers yeah totally of course okay. this is the brothers. gayest podcast we've ever done it is property. let's property. end this now hold on one more you guys one watch more. keeping up with the kardashians or yeah. oh me sorry my bad <laughs> property brothers but i'm kind of bummed because i went on their website the other night <laughs> you need to do it because there's a third brother and uh you can tell he talked his way into the website, but he's not on any of the shows. But they feature him like equally. But he's like a, a wannabe sketch comedian. Um, you need to go. I'll send you guys the link. It's, it's a fabulous website. Please do it, Brian Gill. Where can yes. I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard Barton. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Richard Barton, or you can find me online at thepropertybrothers.com. You can find me online at Kent Garrison on Twitter, and you can find our show on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Download our episodes on there. Find weekly recommends on there. American Treasures on there. And contact the show on there as well. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye! Goodbye. I can't be so far away from my wasteland. Oh,